0: We have a wonderful program lined up for you today. We will begin without further ado with highlights from the book by one of the authors, Shashi Kolawali. Shashi is a senior research fellow here at DIFPRI and leader of the Ghana Strategy Support Programme in our Development Strategy and Governance Division. Shashi is based in Accra for the last 12 years and he tells me he has been working on this book for the last six years. And I am truly curious as to how much cocoa and chocolate he has consumed in those six years. But following Shashi's presentation, we have uh, three wonderful panelists who will share their perspectives from different angles. I will introduce them all individually at that time Uh, But at this time, I would like to invite Shashi to come up and present highlights from the book. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Roger. Um, What we have tried to do in this book is to really explore how Ghana has been able to manage its cocoa sector fairly successfully uh, through a parastatal. Well, what do we mean by really why do we say Ghana is successful? Uh, There are three or four criteria, I think. There's been significant both productivity and production increase in the last 15 years or so. In fact, production uh, doubled to reach nearly a a, a million tons in 2010, but it has come down since then to about stabilized around 800,000 tons annually, which is a significant achievement, productivity also went up. And uh, in addition to that, you all know that the Ghana has a reputation for producing quality cocoa. And uh, cocoa producers have cut poverty among cocoa producers has reduced to a greater extent uh, than among non-cocoa producing households uh, in the last decades or so. So you could call it. that that this sector has made really significant kind of achievements. We look at the three things in this, three aspects of it. One is, how is that without market liberalization, the producer share of the export income, which is a key indicator of uh, the market efficiency, how that has been uh, increased uh, is one issue. I mean, why are farmers being taken care of through How are the farmers being taken care of through a parastrap? The second is Ghana Cocoa Board, which is called Cocoa Board, also retains some of the revenues to provide the kind of services that traditionally that were given by uh, uh, marketing boards. Next question is, how does Ghana Ghana do a good job of it? And what impact is there really on the private sector? And the third is, uh, given all of this centralized marketing that's b- done by a uh, 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 parastatal, how does Ghana deal with value adding and uh, position itself in the global value chain? Because the value adding has always been a huge concern that the countries ought not to be exporting raw material and so forth. Well, to begin with, uh, uh, you know, not unlike other countries, Ghana and one of those countries where we export. Commodities have been taxed, and those revenues have often been used for development purposes. And in the literature, it's often uh, uh, said as a result of really urban bias. But this kind of a tendency to accumulate through kokobot is really, it happened prior to during the colonial times as, as well. When Ghana uh, became independent. In fact, there were reserves of more than 100 million, uh, 100 million pounds uh, All the boards accumulated kind of results. But in Ghana, in the initial stages, uh, 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 when Ghana became independent, when Nkrumah came into power, all of these surpluses were used to implement uh, an industrialization plan. In fact, that was the kind of a development ideology back then, Uh, uh, very well-known economists and many countries and uh, donor agencies were kind of a cheering on, on uh, uh, in its industrial uh, uh, policies. And many economists were also advising them. So in fact, it was perhaps it was the kind of a thing to do if you were the leader of a, con- uh, a newly independent country at that time. And for reasons unrelated to uh, cocoa, the strategy did not work. And by the time Nkrumah was overthrown in the early 60s, all of the money was gone, These, these surpluses that, I can, that had been accumulated. You know. But then, uh, by then, Coco really was a significant share of the government uh, revenues. Subsequently, several military as well as two democratic governments that came into power until about 1982 tried to give uh, balance Paying farmers the fair, fair price and at the same time uh, uh, getting adequate government revenues. But it didn't work out all that well for all that well for farmers. I'm going through a period of about a uh, couple of decades in which uh, various administrations tried different things. They all were interested in uh, making sure that the cocoa sector did well. Uh, uh, but partly because, primarily because there was a lot of a distortion in uh, 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 foreign exchange, as a result of which farmers really ended up ended up uh, with a very small share of the prices going to them. So it's really distortion in foreign exchange, and nobody wanted to touch distortion because one of the elected governments, I think, Busia government uh last power and primarily because of they tried to remove this uh uh this station. but ultimately the kind of uh, the bottom was kind of touched in the early 80s when the production came down to nearly one half of what was what it was before and farmers were getting barely 20 percent 20 percent of the prices and many of you might have heard with no option uh but adopting economic reforms, Ghana adopted to to, uh, uh, adopt this one. There's a lot written about um, how Ghana negotiated and so forth. But at least in the case of cocoa, uh, uh, the government committed to increase the producer's share to take it up to 50%. And then ultimately, subsequently, on other occasions, they increased it to 70%. But they didn't agree for liberalizing either export or import, import marketing. Instead, Ghana cut down the activities of Cocoa Board, uh, what it was doing. It was building roads. It was doing other things. So they reduced the number of people and, and uh, uh, reduced the cost. Of, I, the whole idea was that they would reduce the cost of marketing and bring it down uh, so that the farmers indeed can be paid much higher rate. In addition, they started a process in which uh, they came up with a committee known as PPRC, uh, producer pie Re- review committee. It's meant to be a committee of stakeholders who would, recommend a, uh, who would recommend the prices, the producer share, as well as pricing of all of the services provided by other stakeholders like trucking, quality control, and all of that. So these things would be administratively uh, uh, recommended by PPRC. and and so forth. And then they brought in, Cocoa Board had its own uh, uh, organization to procure the button an old way, uh, an old method that they had tried earlier of using licensed buyers. These are private buyers. uh, They procure the cocoa, and in return, they get a small margin for it. We called it at sometimes, I think one of our earlier uh, uh, paper as kind of a partial liberalization. Come into the thing of it, it's really not liberalization because the prices are determined administratively. And the companies that procure it really, uh, uh, have to pay at least that much. Nobody's paying more. There hasn't been competition. It isn't something very well understood why there isn't really, uh, competition. So they procure that and they get a small margin for it. And exports are completely, controlled by the cocoa board itself. Uh, 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 so there is no uh, market, market really uh, functioning with it. What happened? Really, producer share went up over a period of time. But the thing to remember is the producer share went up largely because the government taxes came down. It came down from nearly 15% all the way down to, I think, in recent years, it may be only 2 to 3%. Okay. The marketing organizations, it is the Cocoa Board, there is a Quality Control, Parastatal, and there is a CMC, Cocoa Marketing. Their costs really haven't come down. That is something to really remember. Government made sure that the uh, uh, higher shares went to farmers, but it was at the expense of really mm, uh, uh, taxes. But by that time, I think even by the 90s, uh, government had developed other sources of taxes, really like petroleum taxes. So the dependence uh, was also less. Since 2001, when the global uh, cocoa prices went up, uh, both nominal and real cocoa prices grew substantially. But in 2000, government started uh, a practice of really Uh, Retaining some of the revenues for what it called industrial costs. These were to really offer some services like public uh, uh, disease and pest control sprays and subsidized fertilizer. It also includes pure public goods, such as uh, uh, Cocoa Research Organization. I think Ghana's Cocoa Research Organization is one of the largest uh, producer-funded Research uh, uh, institute in uh, institute in Africa. So these, uh, with these, and these were substantial amounts that were retained. At least 2010, 2011, at least half a billion dollars were kind of a retained to offer services. And cocoa board's budget was indeed much larger than that of the agricultural agricultural ministry per se. So you have a situation in which now in Ghana you have the cocoa sector. Uh, not liberalized at all, private sector role is kind of a minimal, then you have rest of the non-coco economy, which is, uh, by and large, uh, liberalized uh, more or less less, uh, completely. So in a way, the beginning of this uh, uh, industrial cost to offer of these services was in some way a reversal of reforms and as we realized later, it has also curtailed private sector growth, particularly there is no private fertilizer supply, supply, and 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 and, 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 and so forth. Well, uh, uh, but the shares have reached more than seventy percent. This is what Ghana committed that it would increase the share, and indeed the shares have gone up. It might, be, I think, I've not looked at the recent years; the shares are much larger, they're between seventy to eighty percent depending on depending on, why does it work for? Why why does this work for farmers? In a way, I think what looking at it, what one again says, whichever government is in power, it has really strong incentives to make sure that the cocoa sector grows. Why is that? Now, it has come to be treated as a kind of a measure measure of economic management. Any document, everybody knows about whether cocoa production went up during some administration, uh, it, it has come to be known as a measure of economic management. Producer price announcement is a big policy issue. It's just like fertilizer subsidy. And Ghana raises uh, uh, funds annually, close to $1.8 billion uh, from global markets in order to buy cocoa. And in fact, that's an important flow of foreign exchange for the government, one point, which is not only used for buying cocoa, but for a whole bunch of whole bunch of other other purposes. And in order to be able to borrow, then you have to be able to pre-sell. Before the season, Ghana usually sells about 70% of the expected expected production. Which means in order in order to have the ability to borrow, you need to have the reputation to be able to deliver cocoa of solid quality in large quantities, fairly reliable. So it has a Incentive to make sure it produces large quantities, and also to some extent mimic the market. Uh, you know where, for example, they, they they fix their prices. Although it is done administratively, they pay attention to coca prices. Otherwise, it will be smuggled out into in, into coca. So a bunch of these factors make it make it make it great. Canadians, of course, also take pride in uh, in, in in the coca sector. They might discuss. Uh, uh, all the other sectors with donors and other things, when it comes to cocoa, they say layoff. <laughs> it's it's completely uh, uh, Ghanaian, Ghanaian controlled. What has happened? I mean, the yields, in fact, did go up with these industry costs and fertilizer subsidies subsidies and so forth. And our own analysis uh, of, of data suggests that uh, peculiar thing that, that we found. Is the small farmers, the smaller, the lowest quartile of farmers, are indeed far more productive than uh, than the larger farmers. They use twice the quantity of fertilizer, twice the labor, and their yields are uh, almost twice as high. And uh, 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 but cocoa producers are still 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 poor. When we look at the analysis, how does it? COCO board do in terms of offering services, not surprisingly, we find that the private spraying, for example, is far more effective than public spraying. You can understand that. If you are organizing spray publicly over such a huge area, it is bound to, have, bound to be inefficient and so forth. So there is a trade-off about should farmers be given higher prices so that they can get some of these services for themselves, or should a government be? should government be. That is the crux of inefficiency really now. Because these industry costs, what is retained, often exceed even what is recommended by PPRC because the projected revenues are often much less than the actual revenue. When the actual revenue comes in, the cocoa board has the tendency to, oh, let's use it up, let's bring in more fertilizers and let's spray here and all kinds of all kinds. So that ends up being the source of quickly. In terms of value adding, uh, objective is to process more in the country, primary processing. But in fact, Ghana has a a capacity to uh, process 500 million tons, nearly one half, but it is underutilized. Cocoa board is in a position where it is better off sending valued cocoa beans in the global market than have it ground domestically. I don't want to get into the reason. Lots of subsidy, a lot of other things as there, the economics of grinding at the source when the intermediate products are actually manufactured, uh, I mean intermediate practically actually demanded in Europe, or other countries. That's another big issue. So with the result that there's a lot of talk about value adding, but in reality that's that's really not really not working out. Well, what's the situation now? It's not so good. All of this happened as marketing boards are wonderful, if you have uh, political administrative pricing and so, so forth, it works well when the prices are rising. And Ghana, these recent achievements were indeed when the prices were high. And there wasn't that kind of a discipline. I think in only one year, there was 50 or $100 million was saved for price stabilization, which was used subsequently. Now when the prices are down, apparently the news is, I hear that. Ghana is in quite a bit of trouble. You can't take the prices down because the farmers think their price is not related to the market. It's that it's the government that is in power that's passing on. This is the kind of a double-edged sword with this uh, uh, board kind of a, uh, pricing. And what we are essentially recommending, the, the key recommendation of the book, is that have greater transparency and accountability for how the surplus, uh, it's not the surplus, how the industry costs, some of the revenues that are retained, how they're utilized and what is done with it is is, is the key. We're calling it the last mile of kind of a reforms. So if that discipline is there and if the parastatals can be controlled, and if we can bring in discipline, then Ghana would do it really successfully <coughs> even without liberalizing markets. Thank you.